Well, welcome to the Black Madonna Speaks with me, your host, Stephanie Georgieff. As always, before we get started, I want to give a special thanks to my Patreon supporters, my one-time donors, and all of you who like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Your support means the world to me. For those of you who are Patreon supporters, you will be receiving a special series focusing on the stars on the mantle of the Virgin of Guadalupe of Mexico as a preparation for the Festival of Guadalupe, which occurs on December 12th. Now, like so many of us who had all sorts of grand plans for the spring of 2020, I was set to launch my book, The Virgin of Guadalupe, Mysterious Messenger of Destiny, in May of that year. Well, the book is available, but the launch has been in dribs and drabs because of so many world events, as they say. Now, one of the aspects of my research on this beautiful Mestizo Madonna of the Americas is the stars on her mantle. I found a sweet focus for the 46 days preceding the Festival of Guadalupe's apparition, featuring a star a day leading up to the festivities. Now, if you wish to participate in this daily focus, it starts next week on October 26, 2023. And to receive this series, you can, you can become a member of Patreon because only my Patreon subscribers will be receiving this. Now, I will also be posting material and ebooks on my Patreon page for Guadalupe, Advent, and the Holy Nights. There's a link in the program notes on how you can join our amazing community and review special content. I am, as you can imagine, not quite adept on all things technical, but will be starting up in the new year regular online discussions for my Patreon members. So if you want to be part of that, sign up. And don't forget uh, to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram for all updates on speaking engagements and publishing. So, so much for the commercial for the podcast and the channel, actually. Now, for this episode, we will explore a black, or some would say a brown Madonna of the Netherlands, Our Lady of the Holy Oak, which is currently in a sweet pilgrim chapel in a town called Orschot. And I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that properly, and deep apologies to the Dutch people who are listening to this podcast. I will be pulling quite a bit of information from the Interfaith Mary website, as this Madonna does not, from my research, have loads of information on her. What I did find, which I think is both quite sweet and interesting, is there's a pilgrim monastery tour in this town, which according to the website will take two hours walking time. Now, I must admit, I've only been to Amsterdam in the Netherlands, as it was sort of an obligation of youth hostelers and Ural pass holders in the 1980s. I'm not sure if Amsterdam has the draw it once did when I was young, which was obviously a lifetime ago, when we were only worrying about Charles and Diana's marriage, whether or not the U.S. president was having an affair with an intern, and nuclear war. 
Ah, yes, such simpler times. Now, the history of religion in the Netherlands has been characterized by considerable diversity of religious thought and practice. From the 1600s until the second half of the 20th century, North and West uh, Netherlands had embraced the Protestant Reformation and were Calvinist. The Southeast of the Netherlands was predominantly Catholic. Now, I had the pleasure of living with a Dutch dentist who was on sabbatical at UCLA, where I was attending my undergrad. And she was researching jawbones of young murder victims for signs of progression of TMJ problems. That's tempo mandibular joint problems. And I asked her why she had to come all the way to Los Angeles to do this study. And she remarked, because we have so many gun-related murders and a practice of doing autopsy on the victims, there was quite a treasure trove of young cadavers to do research upon. Ah, yes, another benefit of the Second Amendment in the United States for dental care. In any case, my Dutch dentist sabbatical roommate told me a joke that encapsulated the attitudes towards Christianity in the Netherlands. The joke goes, a woman went to confession and the priest, upon hearing her first statement, went into a tizzy, excoriating her for wasting his time at the confessional until the woman made the priest understand that she was a prostitute and not a Protestant. The priest was relieved and gave the woman absolution because at least she had not made the mortal sin of becoming a Protestant. So this joke is very much at the heart of religious experience until recently of uh, the Netherlands. Currently, the Netherlanders, or the Dutch, are the least religious people of most of Europe, with a large percentage of the population declaring as either atheists or agnostics. Now, with the influx of immigrants and refugees from the Arab world, there has been a vibrant presence of Islam, and there is also a wonderful tradition of Judaism in this part of the world. Now, before the advent of Christianity, the Netherlands were populated by Celtic tribes in the south, which adhered to Celtic polytheism, and Germanic tribes in the north, which adhered to Germanic paganism. After the Roman Empire occupied what would later become the Southern Netherlands, Roman mythology became an influential stream in ritual practice. But the Celtic traditions held strong, specifically through the Druids and their reverence for the oak. Hold that thought and we'll go on to the lovely narrative of this venerated Madonna of the Holy Oak. The image of Our Lady of the Holy Oak is made of carved wood and is 40 centimeters or approximately 16 inches tall. Devotion to Our Lady of the Holy Oak dates back to the early 15th century. One legend states that in 1406 on June 24th, 
which is also known as St. John's Tide in the Christian calendar, shepherds found a statue of Mary on the banks of the river Beers. And again, apologies for my Dutch uh, pronunciation. Now, another legend says that on the same day, that sunny St. John's Tide of 1406, Our Lady was found floating against the current of the same river. Both accounts report that shepherds caught the image and placed it in a hollow of an oak tree. The following night, residents of a neighboring village removed the statue from the oak. We don't know anything about these people or why they removed it, but apparently they removed it. And we also don't know where they took this image. But inexplicably, the statue was back in her tree the next day. Her wish to remain in the location where she was found was recognized and honored for a very long time. As you can imagine, this event was considered quite a miracle for the era, and from that moment on, pilgrimages to the image began. A wooden chapel was built on the spot, but destroyed at the end of the 16th century. The Dark Madonna apparently survived the destruction and continued to perform miracles for the faithful. Or shot, and again, apologies for my pronunciation, it's spelled O-I-R-S-C-H-O-T, has been the destination for Christian pilgrimages since the original miracle in 1406. One of the more popular pilgrimages is an annual procession on the Saturday before St. John the Baptist's Day, again on June 24th. In gratitude for the Madonna's resilience and many miracles, Johannes Dams, a 17th century canon of the St. Peter's chapter, of the area had a stone chapel built in 1600 in hopes that a stone building would not burn down. That poor chapel didn't last long for it was demolished in 1649 by order of the Protestant States General. So once again, our beloved dark Madonnas are caught up in all sorts of civil and religious strife. Now, it seems that a lack of a building to house Our Lady of the Holy Oak did not deter devotion or throngs of pilgrims. In 1854, the current chapel that you see on a monastery tour was built on the foundations of the old chapel. It was enlarged in the early 20th century And to date, an estimated 25,000 visitors per year come to this chapel. Now, it's important to note that the original image of Our Lady of the Holy Oak is housed at St. Peter's Basilica in town, which is also on the monastery walking tour. But the chapel of Our Lady of the Holy Oak Uh, which has a beautiful replica of Our Lady, is separate. And it's also close to where the original oak tree where Our Lady was placed and stood at one time. 
group pilgrimages are organized, especially during Mary's month of May. As I said before, this chapel is a featured destination on the monastery self-guided walking tour for the region. And throughout the region, many shrines and replicas of Our Lady of the Holy Oak can be seen either as roadside altars or carved into local oak trees. The original tree where the image was placed and longed to remain has unfortunately died, but a sapling is emerging in the original spot. The oak tree is a species that has been around for quite a bit of time. Now we're talking millions of years. The oak has quite a bit of significance for Jews, Christians, and pagans. In the Bible, the oak tree represents knowledge, understanding, strength, firmness, and power. Oak trees are one of the most commonly mentioned trees in the Bible, and they are often used to represent strength and stability. In the book of Exodus, oak trees are mentioned as being used to build the Ark of the Covenant. In the book of 1 Kings, an oak tree is used to represent the strength of King Solomon's kingdom. In the book of Job, an oak tree is used to represent the righteousness of Job. In some traditions, the oak is considered to have been the wood upon which Christ Jesus was crucified. There is a widespread belief among Christians that oak trees are a metaphor for God's presence. In the Judeo-Christian tradition, in the Garden of Eden, there were two sacred trees, the tree of knowledge and the tree of life. Obviously, the tree of knowledge was not respected, the whole Adam and Eve apple incident. But the tree of life was and has yet to be disrespected and is considered to be, quote, still standing, unquote, wherever the garden even is at present. Some scholars and folklore experts consider the oak tree to be the tree of life in the Celtic tradition. The oaks were considered sacred by the Druids, and many of the magnificent cathedrals in Europe were built over sacred Druid oak groves. In fact, many of these cathedrals, and we're certainly seeing this is true in the rebuilding of Notre-Dame de Paris, um, these cathedrals are built out of oak trees. Now, the word... Uh, the word druid, which I think is interesting from both Latin and Greek perspective and etymology, is an interesting mix for the words for oak and man. So that's interesting. Now, oak trees also play a significant role in Roman and Greek mythology. Oaks were sacred. It was considered the sacred tree of Zeus. And it was also the position of the oldest Hellenic oracle. Interestingly, priests held gatherings and offered advice or design consultation between, beneath oak trees, and they believed Zeus could communicate through the oak tree. In certain Slavic traditions, there are beliefs that some of the gods they worshipped lived in oak trees, and they had various holy places in oak forests. Furthermore, the oak tree represented the world 
and the trunk and branches symbolized heaven and the living world, while the root system represented the underworld. Oak leaves were prominent in both pagan and Christian festival celebrations and decorations in the Slavic world. For me, it's significant that Our Lady of the Holy Oak has her narrative story incorporating the oak. For me, it is an indication of the transformation of the mysteries and a signal to what both the Virgin Mary as well as the Christian mystery represents. Essentially, it is one of life, the sacredness and stability of life forces that are enhanced and sacralized through the Divine Mother. Numerous Black Madonnas are involved with trees being placed in them, having the images refuse to be removed from trees or to have them hidden in trees for safekeeping. In fact, a few have been placed somewhere in a tree and the tree actually grew over the image only to be recognized by some miracle uh, centuries later. Now, oak is often one of the trees involved in these stories of Black Madonnas and trees. And other trees that are common in these stories are pear or linden. And we can talk about those when the need arises. Now, throughout the evolution of the relationship between divinity and humanity, there is a sacred connection between nature and human beings. As earthbound creatures, we humans have a dual nature, that of, of a spiritual as well as a physical existence. And the Divine Mother, as well as the Virgin Mary, are symbolic of the sustenance and the origins of both of these natures. For me, our Lady of the Holy Oak is a sing signal to this connection, that salvation and endurance comes when the natural world is recognized as sacred, and one half of our existence is dependent on our living planet. I think this is why she did not want to be moved from such a symbolic tree, a tree of life, stability, strength, and divinity. This is Stephanie Georgiev saying thanks again to my Patreon supporters. And for you Patreon curious people, visit the link below to see how you can enjoy the many benefits of monthly supporters through this platform. Until next time, I wish you many blessings on your journey.